Every one of us have financial matters to take care of daily. Paying bills, setting aside money to pay for our children's education, saving for retirement. Lutheran Church Extension Fund offers you the opportunity to do all of these things while benefiting the church. The money you invest directly gives Lutheran Church Missouri Senate congregations, schools, universities, camps, and ministries access to low-cost loans along with tools ministry leaders use to strengthen their mission and reach more people with the gospel. Learn more at lcef.org or call 800-843-5233. How can the average Christian dialogue with gay, transgender, are heterosexuals who believe the Christian viewpoint on these issues are wrong. What should we say? What shouldn't we say? Join us today as I interview Joe Dallas. Joe is a farmer gay activist and the author of seven books on sexuality from a biblical perspective. He's appeared on ABC Evening News, The Bible Answer Man, Focus on the Family, and is a popular speaker at national and international conferences. His new book coming out this fall is entitled Speaking of Homosexuality, How to Discuss the Issue with Kindness and Clarity. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss today's program. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Welcome, Joe. Thanks so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you for having me. It's great talking with you again, Kay. Oh, it's always good to talk to you, Joe. And I'm so thankful for your ministry and uh, all of the work that you've done over the years. Um, This topic of traditional viewpoint on marriage and sexuality is so controversial these days. Why is that? That's a good question. I'm not sure I know entirely, but I will tell you, I think it has become controversial to hold the traditional biblical viewpoint because the culture is pushing for a revision which we in good conscience cannot make. And I think that the reason that is controversial is because the culture, the world, is pushing for something which, Kate, I think is counterintuitive. Now, I am saying this with some caution, it's speculative, but we read in Romans 1, or Romans 1 and 2 rather, that God's laws are written on the consciences of humanity. Mm -hmm. And that tells me that even among people who have not been born again, there is a sense of right versus wrong, normal versus abnormal, and our consciences testify against us when we try to promote something which is essentially unnatural. If our conscience is testifying against us, either we will listen to our conscience and stop doing what it condemns, or we will demand that we be able to drown our conscience out. And in the interest of drowning our consciences out, we will want to silence anyone who is speaking in agreement with our consciences. So if I want to justify something in my life, which I know is wrong, but I want to tell myself that it's right, not only will I try to drown my own conscience out, if you say something which is in agreement with my conscience, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to shut you up. Mm. 
And that's why I believe it has become so controversial, because when you really think about it, my goodness, if somebody disagrees with you on a moral issue, normally that doesn't really bother you. You just disagree. And yet when the Church simply says, we hold a traditional view, we're not trying to force it on you, we don't hate you, we don't want to hurt you, this is just what we believe, even that isn't enough for the culture in 2016 in America. There is an open hostility towards holding the traditional view, no matter how gently you hold it. And so because of that, I think without trying to, we are becoming one of the most controversial groups in America simply because we believe the sex you're born with is the sex you were intended to have, and the normal sexual union can only be enjoyed between a man and a woman in the context of a covenant marriage. That seems pretty tame, Mm. But those are some of the most controversial things you could say today. Yeah, the, the things have really changed. And I like to say that God's the one that created marriage, and the government really, in my opinion, doesn't have the right to change that. But things have changed, and uh, we have to deal with it. But we have to learn how to communicate with kindness and clarity, as your new title of your new book mentions. So, um Are homosexuality, or transgender issues, really such important subjects that we need to take a stand on them, Joe? Okay, I'm glad you asked that, because there's um, a push for three things. Uh, the, the, The culture is pushing the Church to either revise its position which, as you know, Kay, many churches are doing. We've seen whole denominations basically rewrite their positions on marriage to accommodate homosexuality. We are seeing more and more leaders who identify as evangelical Mm -hmm. coming forward and saying they now believe God condones homosexuality. So there is a push for us to revise our position, or there's a push for us to be silenced, just mm-hmm. to stop ever publicly stating our position. But the third push is to get us to minimize the position, to basically put it in the non-essential category. Mm. And as you know, uh, Kay, there are issues that we don't really consider essential issues. Um, you, you know, questions as to whether or not a Christian should go out dancing mm-hmm. or a Christian should go to the movies. Those are probably not subjects we would break fellowship over or that we would uh, invoke church discipline over. Uh, so a lot of people today are saying, oh, well, you believe God says marriage is just for a man and a woman. I believe in gay marriage, but hey, it's not really a major issue, so let's not make too big a deal out of it. But actually, if you think about it, the sexual distinctions were established by God himself. Mm -hmm. The first critical thing God said about humanity is uh, what he said about Adam in noticing that, hey, this is not good that you are alone. You are completed in a covenant relationship, which I'm going to create for you with a suitable partner. And those gender distinctives were very clearly outlined when God created man and woman and said that that is good. Jesus reiterated that definition of marriage in Matthew 19.4. You'll notice that the first um, 
real martyrdom came when John the Baptist in the New Testament um, publicly rebuked Herod over mm-hmm. sexual immorality, and the first case of church discipline occurred in the Corinthian church over a sexual issue. So any departure from the covenant male-female relationship is viewed in Scripture as being a primary issue. And by the way, this is not just a theological issue, although it is that. It's a very practical one. Culture is stabilized when we recognize the uniqueness and the primacy of the male-female union as being the most stable foundation for child raising Mm. and for societal stability as well. So this is both a doctrinal issue and a very practical one as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's excellent. And uh, just to go back a minute to one of the things you shared, and that is that some of the churches are changing their beliefs on this. I I went to a church recently, a relative is going to that church and uh, wanted to check it out. And uh, my relative said, well, check out his sermon on homosexuality. And uh, this was before the marriage issue was changed by the Supreme Court. He basically was telling his members that uh, the sin was not that same-sex were getting married. The sin was that we were not allowing them to. I wrote a long letter to him, not to my relative, just to kind of explain a little bit more. I'm sure it didn't do any good. I was hoping we would have some dialogue, but we did not. But that is happening more and more. And this pastor actually said, "Uh, even my church body doesn't believe what I'm teaching you. (laughs) So he was even farther to the left. But but this is challenging. Well, we've seen this happen a number of times with church leaders, uh, well-known authors and denominational leaders and so forth, who in most every other way seemed uh, biblically solid. Mm-hmm. But so often, okay, when people get to know someone who is homosexual, if they have a gay or lesbian friend or loved one, they change their position not because they've studied the Scripture and come to a conclusion based on Scripture, but rather because they have felt very deep love and respect for a gay or lesbian loved one, and have presumed that the only way to show that love and and respect is to change their position, as if you cannot love people without agreeing with them. And when you think about it, that's an absurd concept. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's much to talk about. Um, But what, Joe, do we say as Christians that uphold the biblical stance that uh, homosexuality is not something that God wants us to do? What do we say to someone who says, you have no right to judge Oh, I'll bet you somebody just said that when they're listening to this program. <laughs> I bet they did. <laughs> I, I tell you, Kay, John 3.16 used to be the most quoted um, uh, statement of Jesus, but I think now it's Matthew 7.1. Oh, yeah. Judge not that you be not judged. That seems to be the, the holy grail to a lot of people. I would point out a few things on that. Number one, it is impossible not to judge. Everybody judges. Everybody believes that some things are right and some things are wrong. You cannot function as a free-thinking individual without having the conviction that some things are right and some things are wrong. Therefore, you judge. If you make any discrimination between right or wrong, you are making a judgment. 
did Jesus say not to do that? Well, clearly he didn't, because in Luke 17.3, he said, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. You have to make a judgment to do that. In Matthew 7.5, he said, remove the log from your eye so you can see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. You have to make a judgment mm-hmm. to do that. In fact, Paul got awfully irritated with the Corinthian church when in 1 Corinthians 6.5, he said, isn't there any wise man among you who can judge? Mm-hmm. So clearly Jesus was not teaching we are to have no convictions about right or wrong. Now, it is true. You and I cannot judge the worth of another person. We cannot judge what motivates another person. We cannot read another person's mind. We cannot judge uh, the state of another person before God. Those are things that only God can judge. So that is a judgment Jesus certainly prohibited. But to, to pull that scripture out and invoke it against making any sort of a moral judgment is, again, an impossibility. It is impossible to hold any kind of a moral position without also making a judgment based on that moral position. You bet, you bet. So um, as we talk with either homosexuals or Christians that uh, believe it's all right or okay for same-sex marriage, again, not upholding the biblical beliefs that conservative Christians have, uh, what else can we say? Let's say someone is calls themselves a gay Christian. Uh, what do we say to someone who says they're a gay Christian? There are lots of people who call themselves that, uh, okay? And let me say right off the bat, I think many of them are very sincere. Mm-hmm. I believe you can be sincere and very wrong, but you can still be sincere. Um, people who call themselves gay Christians usually are people who believe in the basics of Christianity, but they are also attracted to the same sex, and they have decided that they will express those attractions and that Scripture in some way condones that behavior. I would say, if you're calling yourself a gay Christian, I'm not going to try to judge whether or not you're really a Christian. In light of what I said earlier, I cannot read the state of another person's soul. But I would say this. There is a difference between being saved and being right in God's sight. Christians can and do sin. And so the way I determine whether or not something is right or wrong is not just because it's done by a Christian, because the fact that somebody is a Christian doing something doesn't mean that the thing is right, Mm -hmm. but rather, one of the most important questions Paul asked in the book of Romans, what saith the Scripture? Mm -hmm. If I am doing something which is a specific violation of clear scriptural principles, then I am wrong even if I am saved. Now, I know, for example, in the Corinthian church, there was a lot of craziness going on. A man living in an incestuous relationship with his stepmother, people getting drunk at communion, people suing each other, people divided. Paul didn't say that they are not Christians, but he sure said they're wrong. And I would say the same thing to somebody who says they're a gay Christian. My first question would be, okay, I'm not going to challenge whether or not you're a Christian, but how do you determine what is right versus what is wrong. Mm -hmm. Let's start with that, and that will usually take us back to the Scripture, and let's revisit what Scripture really has to say 
about homosexuality because there are five scriptures which very specifically condemn it, two in Leviticus, one in Romans, one in 1 Corinthians, one in 1 Timothy, Mm -hmm. not to mention Jesus' reiteration of the definition of marriage in Matthew 19.4. So that being the case, the question is not are you saved or are you Christian, but rather are you right? Mm. Good. Good. Now, Joe, um, some of our listeners may or may not be aware that at one point in your life, you considered yourself a gay Christian. Can you just summarize a little bit uh, your story and how you were led out of that uh, belief that you could be a gay Christian? Sure, because uh, as you said, Kay, this isn't just academic to me. No. I sympathize hugely with anybody who says, hey, I'm attracted to the same sex. I wish I didn't have these attractions, but I do. I want to serve God, but I don't want to say no to my sexual feelings, so I'm going to try to find a way to justify those feelings and justify the expression of them. I sympathize with that, but I believe it is completely wrong. I made that same decision myself back in 1978. By then, I had been a Christian for seven years. I had never lost homosexual desires. And so I finally decided that, hey, if I prayed for God to take these feelings away and they didn't go away, I am going to tell myself now that he must have intended me to have them. I found a church which uh, reinforced that belief. They had a reinterpretation of Scripture, which I call the pro-gay theology. And I actually served on staff with that church for about five years until early 1984. And at that time, I should say by that time, I was getting tired of trying to convince myself of something I couldn't fully believe was true. I knew the Bible well enough to know that it condemned homosexuality, but I liked the reinterpretation of the Bible enough to try to make myself believe it. Well, that's not a good way to live your life. You don't live your life based on principles you hope are true. You must live your life based on principles you know to be true. And so finally I had to admit to myself I had been kidding myself, and I had to make a choice between my relationship with God. Do I want to be right in God's sight, or do I want to simply indulge my sexual feelings and hope that somehow God will forgive me? I wanted, in other words, to be more of a disciple than just a believer. I was a believer all those years, but I wanted to be a follower. And a follower will say, hey, I take up my cross, That includes my sexual feelings. I will say no to feelings God prohibits me to express. I will say yes to him and trust him to give me the strength to do so. And that was when I made my decision in early 1984 to leave the gay community and uh, relocate to another county and make a new start. And I know uh, the listeners will learn more as they read some of your books. I want to transition to make some announcements and then come back and we'll continue talking about this very important topic. Family Shield wants to again welcome our 53rd radio station, KNNA 95.7 FM in Lincoln, Nebraska, to our radio network. We're glad you're a part of our radio Uh, network and pray that the programs will bless your listeners and encourage you in your daily walk with the Lord. Today, Family Shield is giving away the complimentary booklet, Your Place in God's Plan. To receive the booklet, call the Family Shield Response Center, 1-877-250-8416, and give us your complete 
name and address, or you can email us at witness2family at gmail.com. On October 8th, Family Shield will host its Go First into the Home benefit dinner at Webster Gardens Lutheran Church in St. Louis. Our speaker is Reverend Greg Seltz. Tickets are $35 and table of eight are available in advance. If you'd like to receive information about this, uh, please email us at witness2family at gmail.com. You can also send prayer requests, program topic suggestions, or a financial gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Now I want to go back to my guest, Joe Dallas. He is the author of seven books, and his newest book is coming out this fall, Speaking of Homosexuality, How to Discuss the Issue with Kindness and Clarity. That's what we've been talking about today. Joe, tell our listeners how they can uh, get a copy of your book and how they can get a copy of your other books as well. Oh, great. Sure. Well, the new book uh, that you just mentioned, Speaking of Homosexuality, that will be released October 18th. You can purchase a pre-ordered copy now at Amazon.com. Just go to Amazon.com and look up Joe Dallas, Speaking of Homosexuality, and that will get you to the book. You can order your copy. Uh, all my other books, which are already out, you can order directly from my website. You can find me at joedallas.com. It's just as it sounds, joedallaslikethecity.com. All right, very good. We want to continue discussing uh, how we communicate with gays and homosexuals about this topic, uh, but especially as we focus on being kind and yet being clear Um uh, any more thoughts that you had? I ask you to share just a little bit about your uh, your testimony and and maybe any more related to that that we want to share with our listeners. Could I point out two things, Kay, that sure. I think are relevant to this conversation? First, nobody could have won me back to the truth by sarcasm or insults or a Pharisee's kind of an attitude. Whenever I heard Christians say, oh, homosexuals, you're all a bunch of child molesters, or, uh, oh, yeah, the gays, you know, the the perverts that just choose to live this debauched lifestyle, and when I would hear Christians spread stereotypes about us, basically, and say that all of us were wildly promiscuous and all of us were politically left-wingers and so forth, why all that did was make me feel more confirmed that I was right. Because mm-hmm. when you see somebody holding the right position with the wrong attitude, it's easy to ignore the right position. Yeah. So nobody won me back to the truth by talking down to me. But I must say, and this is more of a problem today than ever, it's also true nobody won me back to the truth by nicing me to death. Mm-hmm. It does no good to refuse to speak truth to someone just because you're afraid they'll be offended. And I really fear, Kay, that the church today in America is approaching this subject with such timidity, such reluctance to speak truth, because it seems we have believed the world's propaganda. The world says that if you believe homosexuality is a sin, 
if you believe transsexualism, transgenderism is based on a falsehood, that you are hateful, <laughs> that you're a hater and a bigot. And because people are so afraid of being seen as hateful, they're afraid to speak simple truth. Okay. Nobody won me back by telling me I was just fine the way I was. As a matter of fact, if anybody had done that, they would have been directly working against the Holy Spirit who was trying to convict me. Mm. When we speak to people, Kay, we want to be in harmony with what God is trying to do in their lives. So God forbid we should be sending people a message which is in direct contradiction to the message God is trying to give them. We talk about love and truth as if we have to make a choice between the two. But that's as silly as saying we have to choose between water and air. You can't make that choice. You have to have both. And the same is true of love and truth. There is no contradiction between the two. They are both equally necessary. Absolutely. Well, Joe, we have less than two minutes left. Any quick thoughts as we conclude the program for our listeners? Okay, I think we all got caught off guard by these issues. Most of us who have been believers for a couple of decades or longer never thought we would need to defend biblical concepts that are so obvious, so self-evident, and which the culture used to be in agreement with us on. Mm -hmm. And then the culture shifted, and before we could catch our breath, the culture turned to us and said, okay, now church, you need to shift as well. And so now we are grappling with how to defend our refusal to shift our position. This is where I believe we will need to prayerfully hold tight to what we know to be true and be seeking God to equip us to be able to speak that truth gently, with respect, with compassion, but never sacrificing clarity there's our challenge. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Again, my guest has been Joe Dallas. Uh, You can get a copy of his newest book at amazon.com. It won't actually be out till October. Uh, Or you can get uh, copies of the other books that he's written uh, on his website, joedallas.com. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more about Family Shield on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Every one of us have financial matters to take care of daily. Paying bills, setting aside money to pay for our children's education, saving for retirement. Lutheran Church Extension Fund offers you the opportunity to do all of these things while benefiting the church. The money you invest directly gives Lutheran Church Missouri Senate congregations, schools, universities, camps, and ministries access to low-cost loans along with tools ministry leaders use to strengthen their mission and reach more people with the gospel. Learn more 
at lcef.org or call 800-843-5233.